0: Thank you. Once they brought the money, we had the money to bill, we built a wall of faith out of yellow bricks with people's names on it. And that wall of faith is the is the wall of our uh, hallway that brushes up or touches against the worship center on the back side. And we started just like the Vietnam Wall. The A's are up here, goes all the way across, the E is down here. And the very heart of that is the Bible verse that says, You are the living stones tied to Jesus Christ. Above it is the window that's the picture of our church seeing the world through the cross, that outside stained glass. So here's, we're tied to Jesus Christ at the foot of the cross looking out to the world, and we are bound together by the Holy Spirit just as those bricks are mortared together Christ through, through mortar, and we are a standing wall of faith. You put all those bricks together bound by mortar, that's a strong wall. And what I want the people to see is, number one, in Christ, you're secure. In fact, I said in the sermon, some of you don't believe in security of the believer, I said, come take your brick. I said, if you think you can get out of this, come take your brick. Well, I mean, they laugh because you're not gonna get out of it, nor are you gonna get out of Christ's love for you. I talked about the powerful stance we could take as a people if we were united together. And so the visual even of the wall gave the people a sense of mission we're here and we're not here to rest, we're here now to become all God wants us to be. And we're always looking up and outward at the world through the cross because our commission is not how can we have a holy huddle, it's how can we go out and be God's holy people, a priesthood, a royal nation.
1: About 20 years ago, um, as we were nearing the the end of our uh, building program and uh, we had one last uh, capital emphasis to to raise funds to enable us to get into the the building, and uh, my wife Brenda and I made a commitment, a financial commitment to the Lord uh, that uh, went beyond what we reasonably could uh, expect to do. And so obviously that became a matter uh, of prayer. And towards the end of the time, um, when the offerings were to be brought, I received a letter, Uh, it was from my dad, hand addressed, uh, probably the only letter my dad ever wrote me. And it said, dear son, here is your portion of the estate your grandmother and granddaddy left. They wanted to leave something for the children. And then dad closed that letter with spend it wisely. And after that building was complete and Mom and Dad came to visit us and I walked them into that, I walked them into that sanctuary and, and pointed it out and I said, "We spent it wisely, Dad. We spent it wisely."
0: The wall of faith was a reminder for us that we were the people of God and not only did we have our scriptures on the floor, but we wanted to be sure that we remembered we were joined together in Christ Jesus. As I told you last week, we read aloud the Bible not only so we'd be standing on the promises of God, but that week before we moved in we wanted to be sure that the word of God permeated the corridors and permeated this place so that we could literally say the word of God was spoken as the first words truly spoken before people of God entered this place so now we have the bible and it's under glass we still have it we have the bible representing what we did as a people and then we had the very fact that these bricks we'd taken home now have our names on them and they're standing out front and we're standing on the promises of god because people had put their favorite scriptures on the floor we delayed the dedication of the building for about two and a half months because buildings are never finished at the deadline they're finished sometime later And ironically, even the week we said it, we were still not totally finished, but we were finished enough, we could meet in here. And that Sunday morning, instead of standing here in the pulpit, we had a cameraman and I stood out there on the other side of the wall at the wall of faith. And around me were senior adults seated in chairs, as many senior adults as could come that Sunday. We had them out in the foyer, in chairs, facing the wall of faith. And we we were piping it into these screens so that our people could worship in here but I was out there alive, not in here. I did that for several reasons, as I told you last week. A church is is always able to dream new dreams because of the white-haired folks that dreamed their dream and were faithful. None of us got here by ourselves. We're a turtle on a fence post. We're here because others sacrificed so that we could enjoy this. It didn't just drop from heaven. We're able to be a church the size we are because the white-haired folks cared enough to bring friends and invite people to evangelism. We're where we are because white-haired folks are the ones through the years who taught the children and taught the youth and taught the adults and sang in the choir and emphasized missions and went on mission trips. It's the white-haired folks that really are the foundation of what a new generation gets to dream and to do. And so that morning, we put the white-haired folks that would meet us out there as our special guests of honor, special people of honor that day. And I preached about the wall of bricks. Now, I told you before, when we did that, I told them one day we'll have bricks that make the wall of faith. Now, they're not the exact same bricks people took home. Some bricks never made it back, and some bricks people wanted to keep. And so what we did is get duplicate bricks that looked just like those they'd taken. We had the people that made the journey with us to tell us their name, and we printed their name on bricks and that way, when you see that wall, the A's start up here and go all the way across in alphabetical order to get way down there in the corner to the Z's and you can find the names of those that made that journey with us. And that was the promise. Those bricks were a pretty good sermon illustration. First of all, not only was the names of the people who made the journey, it was the names of God's people etched in stone, which was a reminder when God writes your name, he doesn't do it in pencil to be erased. When he writes your name in his book of life through salvation, You're his forevermore. Just as you can't take a brick and erase your name out there, you can't erase your name from God's book if you truly have been saved. I didn't say a member of the Baptist church. I didn't say you had a warm fuzzy when you were nine. I didn't say because your daddy was a preacher. I said if you were truly saved, if you truly are born again, and I can't talk you into that nor talk you out of that. Either you are or you aren't. But if you really are his, you're his forever. One brick by itself on a mantle is ugly, not very impressive. Some of us in our behavior are not always what we need to be, and sometimes individually we can be pretty ugly. And folks say, well, if that's what a Christian is, I don't want to be one. A brick by itself has no real intrinsic beauty. Secondly, a brick by itself is pretty pitiful. It really can't do a great deal. Not very impressive. But you put bricks together in a wall, now you got something. And I said to the people who are out front as it was piped in here, this wall was once just loose bricks and you weren't impressed, but now you see a wall of faith that is strong and supports the weight of a structure, but also together, think of the stand we can make as a church. If we stand united as a wall of faith against immorality, iniquity, sin, lostness, darkness, think of power of a wall versus a solitary member as one brick. Together, when we work together and do together, and we had done that through the building program, I said we may have made a pretty formidable impression because we did it together. None of the bricks are separate. They are one entity. If you see bricks in a wall, you don't say, look at those bricks. You say, look at that wall, and that's the way it ought to be. We're not individual people always spoken of as individuals. We're spoken of as First Baptist Church. Now, if you want to say you're a member of the church, you are. And we talk about individuals from time to time, about ministries you do, but, but when the community talks about us, they don't take time to list 4,000 names. They say First Baptist Church, and, and that's who we are. Well, when you see those bricks, you don't say, look at those bricks. You say, well, look at that wall. And that's what binds us together is the unity of who we are. God put us in place just as masons put those bricks in the right place and put the right amount of mortar, God knew where we need to be in His service at any point in time. I didn't say, now I want that yellow brick to go down here and this yellow brick to go over here. No, some mason decided, hand me a brick, and he put it, and wherever he put it, that's where it is. The Bible says God has put us in the race He set before us. You say, I don't like this race. He's the coach. Well, I didn't want to run this race, I want to run his race. He said, no, God put you in the race that you're to run. He set that race before you. I said, just as this wall demonstrates, the bricks are in the place where the person who was the master creator of the wall placed it, and it will be there from now on. I also said these bricks are not loosely connected. We're bound together. We're bound together out there by mortar. We're bound together in here by the blood of Jesus We're not some loose aggregation that just happened to be driving by on on, uh, Highway 51 and thought, well, let's just pop in and see what they're doing in there. No, we are bound together as a body. And we're joined together by God's Holy Spirit and sealed together until the day of our redemption when we'll celebrate together the goodness of God and reign forever with God Almighty. And that's what that wall represents. Not who we were and not who we are as individuals, but who we are in the kingdom of God. I wanted the church to understand that when that time came, we're not only bound to the body of Christ, we're bound to Jesus. If you'll notice in the very center of that wall, it talks about Jesus Christ as our, as our stone, the uh, the cornerstone, and we are the living stones. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand what the difference is between a cornerstone and the living stones? If all we had up here was a foundation, most of you wouldn't have come to church today. Because you'd say, well, there's not anything up there. It's just, just a slab, just one old big concrete rocky slab. That's right. So what makes this building? You can look out that window. See all those individual bricks? Without those individuals, this building doesn't exist. Without all these individuals, the church of Jesus Christ does not exist. We're bound together, one people tied to Christ Jesus. And by the way, we're bound to him for life. I know some of you come from different backgrounds, and you say, oh, preacher, I really do think you could lose your salvation. And I respect that, that you believe that, but I don't believe that. And I'll tell you why. You, you cost too much for God to lose you. I, I haven't done it many times and Janine, Janine will bear witness, I haven't, but through our marriage, we've been married 43 years, because of certain significant anniversary or certain moment, I, I, I'd pay, pay a little bit more for a gift and most times she likes jewelry and they're, they're real proud of that. You, you go in to buy something in a jewelry store, they want a kidney and two co-signers, you know. <laughs> so I don't go in there very often and when I do, it, it's business. i'm real serious and i've noticed when they tell me how much it costs after they resuscitate me i say i believe she would like that now now, now i'm gonna paint a real simple illustration when i pay that much for something that small do you think i just stick it in my pocket say boy i sure hope i don't lose that i'm I'm gonna gotta get to this meeting you you think are y'all listening to anything i've said thus far i've got a rock in my finger Cost more than my house. Well, more than my car. Well, it costs a lot. <laughs> do you think I just slap it in there and say, Well, I sure hope I get home with that? You think? No. They even put it, and they should, they put it in a box. Now, it's not a big box. They ought to give you more box for what you paid, but it's a little box. They put that baby in a little box and they actually wrap it and they do a good job wrapping. They do. I'd recommend them. Now what do you think I do with that box till the day comes? I just stick it in my library among the books and say, well, I hope I remember where I put that. I don't know. My memory's not what it used to be. I sure hope I, I think I know where that is when I, I hope so. You think? No. You know, when I've spent that much for something, I put it in a very special place and normally because sometimes my memory does lapse, I'll even tell Roe or somebody in my office, Roe now, I'm going to tell you where I've put that. Not always in my office, but it, it, it's here. And, 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 and that, here's what I want you to know. It, it, it's here. And, and so if I come today and say, Ro, where, where did I put that? She can say, Pastor, which she does. I'll tell you. You really don't remember, Ro, I wouldn't ask if I did. And she tells me. Now, now what's that safeguard? Rarely do I forget something I spent that much for. But if I spend that much for it, do you think I'm going to guard it and take care of it and know where it is and watch over it until the day I get to present it to my bride? How much did you cost? How much did you cost? Can you imagine Jesus moving us from lostness to salvation, and then getting to the Father and saying, whoops, I dropped three right there and broke it. Oh, I lost two there. Oh, I almost got that one out of Kuwait. Oh, I didn't quite get to... Do you think that's the way he does business? How much did you cost? The blood of Jesus Christ. You don't think he can get you home? Then, you're, then you've got a real small view of the one who's called the Lord of all. Secondly... When do you get eternal life? Now. The Bible says the moment you give your heart to Jesus, you become a child of God forever. John would write, Now we are, 1 John 3, Now we are the sons of God. When? Now. What do you mean now? 2,000 years ago? No, I wasn't even thought 2,000 years ago. When do I become a child of God? When I trust Jesus. Fully trust him. So So, so when, when do I get eternal life? When I die, right? when do I get it? The moment Jesus Christ gives me life through his blood on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and I become newborn in him, I am alive forevermore at that moment. Listen, you can't have eternal part-time. It's either eternal or it's not. If it's eternal life, and I didn't say it was, he said it was, whoever believes in me shall not perish. All who come into me, I will in no wise cast out. All who are mine, I know mine, and they They know my voice, and they come when they hear me. I didn't write that. He did. And one of these days, one of these days, he's going to speak my name, and I'm going to bound across eternity like I used to do when I was eight-year-old barefoot in Tennessee, only faster because it says we'll be changed. How quickly? Pretty fast. No. We'll be changed momentarily. No. He said we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. I've never moved that fast. Asked you, Dean. I've never moved that fast. But when God moves me to glory, whew, here today and gone next minute. Well, that, that would preach if I was out there at that wall. And that's what I did that Sunday morning. And then I said the wall is located strategically because these bricks are symbolic that we really are the body of Christ, and if you've ever stood at that wall and looked up, if you'll come right back against the wall where the the verse is about Jesus being our cornerstone and us being the living stones, then you look up, you're going to see that, that, that that, that window right there is right above you, just above the wall of faith, and it's the one that's illuminated at night because our goal is to be the people bound to Jesus Christ at the foot of the cross looking out to the world. And Our theme is seeing the world through the cross because when we come to the cross, we come to Jesus, and when we come to Jesus, we lay our burdens on the on the Lord, but when we've done that, then we have a a burden for everybody that does know him and if that burden's big enough it's for the whole world because every tribe, tongue, people and nation is supposed to know him and so that's exactly where we need to be, bound as a wall of people to our Lord Jesus Christ the chief cornerstone at the foot of the cross forevermore and always burden for the world which is out before us and if we're doing what we ought to do when we come in together and go out we're going out to the world to be emissaries of the king that's why that wall is there And so we called that for a long time, we called that the Corridor of Covenants. And we did it for three reasons. There was a covenant of the Word of God. By the way, it's broken into two covenants. The Old Covenant, the Law, and the New Covenant, Grace. The Old Covenant, 39 books. The New Covenant, 27 books. So you have the covenant of God's Word. All of His promises sealed by the blood of Jesus in one book. And for years, that book sat right out there. And then we had the wall of faith, which demonstrated the covenant of God's God's good grace. We're not saved. This is Reformation Sunday. We're not saved by by works. We're saved by grace through faith. And so we had the covenant of God's grace. And then we had the covenant of something we called God's work, and that was the book of life. It's not out there anymore. We need to make room for other things. But at one point we had a through e i think or a through d maybe an e through something A. and we had the congregation broken up in segments so that no one book was horribly thick but they were notebooks leather bound and we had a simple page in that book and it looks like this the front page would talk about simple things like this here's where i was saved when i was saved where i was baptized those kind of things so that when a person filled out the book of life page and we encourage all of our members to do it not all did but we encouraged it When they filled out a Book of Life page, we know where they were saved, when they were saved, how old they were, and where they were baptized. And then when you flip that page over, it said, here's the mountaintop experiences so far in my journey. Those were bound and put right out there where the source is. And they were there for a reason. Number one is a way for us to always remember we're in this church, not because of what the church did for me, but what Jesus did for me. And that book of life was a way to say, and we asked people, is your name in the book of life? Now, as a play on words, we meant this one, but we also meant that one. This one was written in ink, that one's written in the blood of Jesus. And so when we say, is your name in the book of life, it was an evangelism tool. And I wish I could say everybody used it, everybody didn't use it, but many did use it and saw friends come to know Christ because when they'd invite them in those days of the new church, they'd say, I, I want to show you my name's in the book of life. Is it- yours? they say, I don't know what you're talking about. So They'd turn to their page and say, when I was a child, here's what happened. I was saved here and, and I baptized here. Have you ever had that happen in your life? So it was a great way to tell people about their salvation. Secondly, it's a way to encourage people to be faithful and trust in Jesus. And then thirdly, it was a marvelous way for us, to talk about, for us to talk about how you came to know Christ. But there was a side benefit I hadn't really thought about, and that is sometimes children don't know where and when daddy or mama was saved, and daddy or mama dies, and I ask them in my office when I meet, can you tell me their salvation experience? They say, Pastor, I know they were saved, but I, I don't, I'm ashamed to say, I don't know. I say, there's their name in the book of life. They said, What do you what do you mean? I said, Well, we have one over there. Okay, let's go see if there are names in it. And sometimes they were, sometimes they weren't, but I'm gonna tell you, at a funeral, when you hold up a page out of the book of life and you say to somebody, Can I tell you what John wrote in his own hand? John said he was saved when he was eight years old in Bushy, Bushy Creek, baptized in the spring of the year and the water was really cold, he said. He was a member of the church from the time he was eight until now. John said on the back, of, on the back when, I asked, when we asked him to put down his mountaintop experiences, he said, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was the day I met my wife because I was not strong as a Christian, and her faith was solid. And when I married, met and married her, our home became solidly founded on Jesus Christ. She's the best thing that ever happened to me. You read that at a memorial service. It's not speculation. It's in the man's own hand. Well, in renovation we moved that book of life, but I'd sure like to see it come back someday myself. That's what we had. We called it the Carter of the covenants, the covenant of the word of God, which is the Bible, the work of God, which was the book of life and the cross, and the will of God, which was God's people, written down, standing faithful, etched in, glass, etched in stone to be ever ready to go out to the world to share about Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. Now, one other quick thing, and we got time. I did this, uh, we're gonna land on time. I've got a brief video I wanna show you because one of the things that you do, one of the things that you get to experience when you're debt-free is the miracles of God. You go down and borrow the money in the bank, then, you know, individuals may say, boy, I was able to make a payment I didn't think I could make. But when you wait on God, you're watching for God to work, and. Once we got up here, we took time to document all that God had done. The largest cash contributor, now I'm not talking about ethereal, I'm not talking about mystical. On paper, the largest cash contributor to the construction of first Baptist broken era was God Almighty. I want you to watch this and you'll see what I mean. Watch. Today, it's good to stand here on the 142 acres of land that God has given to First Baptist Church of Broken Arrow. It's not difficult standing here to realize God is a God of might and miracle and majesty. Standing beneath his blue sky, feeling the gentle breeze against our face and seeing the wonder of his sunshine, God is indeed a magnificent God. you know the bible also teaches that god is a god of great promise you know watching that video about the promises of god on this hilltop really does bring back wonderful memories because over the last six and a half years we've seen god answer those promises haven't we if you think about all that the lord has done it really would make your heart full and give you great cause for thanksgiving and celebration standing here today just looking back in the valley i want you to notice what's happened in the six and a half years that we've had this property If you noticed in that previous video, you'll see that the valley was empty, just grass, looking out what the Lord has done, bringing to the edge of this hilltop. He's adding house upon house, family upon family, literally asking, wonder when there's gonna be a church for us right here in this community. We're gonna answer that question very shortly. You know what I wanna share with you today is just some of the great things God has done. When you drive up on this property and you see immediately an asphalt road, you know what that is? A gift from God. You know why? Down underneath this property was all this rock and hard soil, and many people thought we'll never be able to build up there inexpensively because we'll have to blast. But you know what? God made rock up here in layers, and it was able to be peeled away with dozers. And he took that rock that we thought was worthless, traded it to a company needing it to pave highways through Oklahoma, and they, in turn, built a road for us, $60,000 road, free of charge, to God be the glory. As you drive onto the property, you'll see big mounds of topsoil. You know what that is? A gift from God. Because what we needed more than anything else was dirt. And what a highway department needed was rock. You know what they did? They initially dug a hole 300 by 300 by 20 feet deep to begin to excavate soil or rock and put in its place topsoil. Today, First Baptist Broken Air is the proud owner of over a quarter million dollars in topsoil that we traded for rock, to God be the glory. What we saw as a disadvantage, God saw as the means to provide exactly what we needed. When you drove onto the property, perhaps you noticed that large water retention area. In our initial plans to build this building, we put in the budget $80,000 for clay. You know what God did? Right up there on that ridge one day when those earth-moving machines were working, they hit a pocket of clay that ran so deep, they were able to put all the clay we needed around that water retention area and put soil on top of it and mark it so if we ever need it again, we know exactly where it is. You know what that was? A gift of $80,000 from God, to God be the glory. You know, as we stand out here today and we see that beautiful tabernacle where we've met so many times, you know that cost the church nothing, you say, well now wait, it cost to something. Well, you'd given your gifts, but you know what? Out of the interest off the money that you'd given, without ever touching the principal, we were able to build a tabernacle seating 1,300 people out of the interest and be able to worship on that site. Isn't that wonderful? To God be the glory. Maybe you noticed when you drove up today, when you were on that property, uh, on the property, maybe you noticed that wide six-lane bridge Isn't it amazing? We bought this land in 1992, paid for it cash, $575,000. In 1994, God moved the state of Oklahoma and the heart of the state of Oklahoma to provide a six-lane overpass and a six-lane highway going all the way into Tulsa so that people could have easy access from all of Tulsa, Muskogee, and surrounding area right here under our property. You know why? in just recent months God hadn't finished with the state or with the city you know why he said you know what I really need to get people onto that property is a south loop you know what God did stirred their hearts again and now all the state of Oklahoma and the city of Tulsa and Broken Arrow working together to get people onto this property to God be the glory and if you've noticed if you've been on the hill at all you've noticed recently the wonderful structure that's now gone up the people of God over the last several years have given on the average of a million dollars a year to construct a wonderful new multi-purpose center. What a wonderful site that's going to be. In fact, God willing, October the 15th of 1999, the work crews are going to pull off of this property. You know why? Not in disgust and not because we've run out of money. They're going to pull off because they're going to say, it is finished. You can finally worship in that wonderful facility that you've been planning for all these years. What a wonderful testament to the work of God and to the faithfulness of God's people to move us from one location to another, from a dream to the reality, from a promise to the absolute fulfillment that we're about to worship, in which we're about to worship in just a few days. You know what this site is? This is God's holy ground. It's a wonderful picture of what the power of God will do when a people say, Lord, here am I, use me. I hope over these next few days, as we now give from sacrificial gifts what God wants us to do, I hope as you pray and you consider what the Lord to have you do, you'll give the very, to the very best of your ability because we're almost there. And I hope as you give, you'll realize this gift may well be the gift that puts us over the top to worship in that facility by the close of 1999 and to start a new millennium in a new location on Albany. God bless you. What a wonderful journey we've had together. But you know what? We've not finished. We've just begun. For the future is as bright as all the promises of God. I want to close with the white stone that's just behind you on that wall behind the sound booth. The stone that the builders rejected is the one that's become the cornerstone. A stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that trips them up. But you, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, now you're God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you've received the mercy of God. Stand with me and let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for the journey you've brought us through. You're not finished with us because there's another one just ahead. But goodness, as we remember what God did for us in a journey a long time ago now, 20 years ago, we're mindful that God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so we're grateful today that as we come before you, you are a living entity now in us. It may well be this morning there's somebody that came and said, today was the day we were going to join the church, Pastor. Well, then I pray you'll come this morning. Pastors will be here in the front to receive you. Maybe you said, I came today to make public my profession because I want to be baptized. You come. Maybe you're here today and say, I didn't come to hear about a building. I came because I sure do need faith in Jesus to take hold of my life. Why don't you come tell that to a pastor? You say, I don't know what to say. Three words. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. If you'll just tell that to one of these in this altar, they'll know how to help
1: you. Come now, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing.